Podcast, Answer Man, episode number 167. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. Of course, this is a weekly podcast where I come here to answer a majority of your questions free, no charge whatsoever, hundreds of hours of content that you can find over at podcastanswerman.com. And I'm excited about the things that I want to share today because it's all about podcasting. So I'm excited every week because I get to control the content, which is one of the things that I love most about podcasting. Now, for those of you who are interested in knowing, today I'm going to give you a rundown of all the things we're going to cover here. I've got four pieces of audio feedback, and uh, they are going to be on topics such as how do I change my category in iTunes, um, my thoughts on PayPal payments, blog talk radio, and I've even got some constructive criticism of the Podcast Answer Man podcast. All of that and probably more here on today's show. So to kick things off, I'm going to turn over to my good friend Winston over there at upickuniversity.com, I believe. And uh, while he's doing his uh, feedback here, I'll look up and verify that that's the correct address. Hey, Cliff. This is Winston from upickuniversity.org podcast. Uh, quick question for the podcast answer man. We, uh, you helped us set up our iTunes, and we've got our first um, podcast out there and out in the world of iTunes. And when you helped us set it up, you put us under, uh, you helped us set up a category under business news. And now that we are uh, in process, I'd like to set up another category closer to our actual focus, like nonprofits. So, how do I change my iTunes category? That's my question today. Thanks for your help. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right, Winston, thank you very much. And by the way, congratulations on the release of your very first episode. Uh, And I think he said it there, upickuniversity.org is his website. And uh, I am going to pull that up here right now. Upickuniversity.org. And yes, that does pull it right up. And their very first episode is online, and I think they did an excellent job of uh, of doing their very first episode, uh, not scripted at all, uh, very much just very in- informative as to you know who they are, what they are planning to do with the podcast. Um, I I wish they would have done the personal introductions at the beginning instead of putting the you know this is the technical what we're going to cover in the podcast. I really got into the podcast when it got into the personal stories. In fact, uh, I love the talk of nineteen. I think it was nineteen eighty five. Go go check that out. Episode one of You Pick University podcast and and see if you can find the conversation about what happened in nineteen eighty five. But I, I love the personal feel. And, and I hope that they're able to continue to keep that up, and I'm sure that they will. Uh, but your question, of course, Winston, is how do you change the category in, from being business to something nonprofit? Now, I, 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 I guess I'm assuming that since you have an, a topic or a, 
um, category in mind that you've looked and seen that, you know, there is a topic for nonprofits and, and assuming that there is such a category in iTunes, uh, then to change it is very easy because you actually followed my instructions of using feedburner.com to set up your podcast. So all you need to do is you go to feedburner.com and once you are logged in, you'll click on the appropriate feed for the podcast. And then once you're into the main dashboard for your UP University podcast, you simply click on the tab at the top that says optimize. And then once you once you click on that tab on the left-hand corner, you'll see a bunch of options. You want to click on SmartCast. And when you click on SmartCast on the right-hand side of the screen, you will then see all the different iTunes settings. And of course, the categories being right up there near the top. And the nice thing is, is you can actually choose a main category and you can actually list your podcast in other categories as well. So you don't have to just stick with one category. Although for if there is one for nonprofits, I'd obviously make that your first category choice. And then you can add additional if you find other additional categories that would be appropriate for the listing of your show. So anyway, I hope that helps you. If you do not have FeedBurner, uh, and you're using uh, some other plugin, podcasting plugin like PowerPress and stuff like that. I, I, you know, it's not too difficult to go into your PowerPress settings and change that category in the iTunes settings uh, there as well. But I, I really encourage um, uh, all of my clients uh, to use FeedBurner uh, for the iTunes version or creating the iTunes compatibility. I've just been, and mostly because of the fact that I've been using FeedBurner since 2000, uh, well, since early 2000, well, actually since 2005. I've been using FeedBurner since 2005, and since the day I've been using them, I've created 22 different podcasts, or actually 24 different podcasts, and have done more than 2,200 episodes and have never had an issue with my FeedBurner feed. Um, and I can't say the same has been true for all those little pu- plugin podcast plugins and stuff like that. Uh, I've certainly as a consultant had to help several folks who have had some issues, uh, with, um, some things gone a little wonky in some of the plugins. And I will just say in all fairness to my friends over at Blueberry, I'm mostly talking about that horrendous plugin called pod press. Oh my gosh. Was that a nightmare? I'm so glad that I don't really see that popping up too often anymore. All right. So let's move on to the next call, which is coming in from Josh, who has a question about PayPal. Hi, Cliff. This is Josh Livingston from uh, Portsmouth, Ohio. Uh, This is for your uh, podcast, Answer Man uh, podcast. And and I had a question for you on, uh, on what your thoughts were in regards to uh, to using PayPal. Now, I've I've heard of um, of a few folks that you know, that I know have had problems with PayPal as far as in, in the way of security. Uh, uh, now, if this is something that I'm you know, planning on using on you know possible PayPal invoices, uh, you know I do want to make sure that you know I'm not going to expose myself to. Uh, you know, loss of, of private information and, and hacking in, into you know, PayPal networks. Um, so as far as in the way of maybe fraud protection or, or just uh, something in that area, is there anything that I need to be wary of, uh, you know, other than, than what I've mentioned? Or is there something that I can you know, help do to uh, help safe my, safeguard myself against that? 
Hey, anyway, Cliff. Uh, you know, any any thoughts or advice you know you have on this uh, subject would uh, would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for all you do. All right. Well, Josh, thank you very much. And just like uh, David in our chat room, who says that con- that comment surprises me, uh, that comment also surprises me, especially in the comment I think we're we're both agreeing upon, or at least the one that surprises me, is the idea that people have complained that they've had some security issues with uh, PayPal. And wow, it's quite the opposite in my experience. And again, I've been using PayPal since... Well, honestly, I've been using PayPal since PayPal was first introduced. And I don't know what year that was, but I know... Well, let's see. Megan is 10. So I know 10 years ago I was using PayPal. Uh, and I have had zero issues with PayPal. In fact, when it comes to security... Um, I have, matter of fact, I've received a call just this week. I got a phone call and, uh, I look, I picked up the phone and says, Hey, this is, this is, um, a security call, uh, generated by the use of your debit card. I would please stay on the line for a PayPal representative. And of course I just have to wait for a second for them to actually connect me to a representative. And then what happens is they say, you know, we're just doing a check on some recent activity on your card and want to confirm that you have authorized these, this information. They just confirm who I am. Obviously they dialed my phone number, which is on record. And then they read off the last four or five debit transactions and they just read off the amounts and the name of the placed it there too. And I confirmed that, yes, I did place all those payments. And then they say, thank you very much. That's all we needed. And I've had this happen over the course of the last, well, over the course of the last three years, I've probably got about four or five of those phone calls. And they're, they're constantly looking out for my security. And, and when they see that, you know, I go most of a month without using my debit card at all. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm putting, you know, I think we put like two thousand dollars each month on my on my debit card in one day when we we're paying all the bills uh, for the month for you know for podcast answer man business um, in in health insurance. I, I pay my I, I have a PayPal debit card, so I get like one point five percent cash back or something like that. And so um, my my health insurance bill is ridiculously expensive. And so we pay we keep the money in PayPal and use the PayPal debit card to get that cash back. Uh, so and we pay all of our, you know, all of our bills uh, for the business using the PayPal debit card. And um, yeah, I've never had a problem. Now, as far as accepting payments, I send PayPal invoices to my clients and have done so all the time. People will oftentimes say, okay, I'd like to pay you. Do you accept credit card? And I say, I don't accept credit card unless you use the credit card to pay me via PayPal. And for those who have never had a PayPal account, they are able to actually use PayPal to pay me via credit card and not even have to sign up for an account. So that is a potential pro, uh, a potential ability or benefit there. Um, and for those who do have a PayPal account, that it's not a problem for them to be able to just attach their credit card uh, that they want to use as a funding source and then pay me using that card. Uh, never have, uh, in fact, in the last two and a half years that I've been doing this full time as my career, I will tell you, that um, I have lost only two pieces of business, two pieces of business as the result of not taking credit cards directly. Of course, not only do I have my clients who I've invoiced and have pay me for products and or services for through PayPal, I have over I have a few hundred people, a few 
hundred people who have subscriptions to gspn.tv plus who are paying $10 per month via PayPal. And PayPal just automatically debits their PayPal account $10 every month and puts that into my account. Uh, so I have had huge success with PayPal. And more so recently, I have been trying to get more of my clients to pay via check because one of the things, when you get to the level that I do, you you recognize that they want to move you into a business account uh, which I obviously understand, and they get 3% of whatever payment comes in. And so these days, I actually encourage my clients to pay me via check, which means there's no processing fee on my end, and I get to keep 100% of what my client pays me. When you look at the equipment that I sell, for example, um, you know I'm not making a huge, gigantic profit margin on on this stuff. And when you look at an $800 order and I'm not great at math and that's why I love my big giant iPad here with my big huge jumbo calculator but if you think about that that's $800 let's just say times 0.03 that's 24 bucks actually that's not that big of a deal um but I've I've certainly had clients that owed you know they've purchased you know $2500 worth of equipment and in the old days I would just just you know eat that cost um and that, of course, would be $75 given to PayPal. Now, is it worth $75 to have that payment processed? You betcha. And it would really be no less. It wouldn't be a whole lot less if I actually had a merchant account and accepted credit cards. So I think PayPal is totally worthwhile. But I prefer taking payments by check and I don't have any processing fee, and that's $75 more that I get to keep in my pocket. And my clients certainly don't mind um, paying me by check because usually a majority of the time, the people that I work with, they've already listened to me uh, for hundreds of hours or at least tons of hours, and they they have come to know me, and they very much... Um, they very much trust me. And so they's like, yeah, I'll pay you by check. That's not a problem at all. So it, it works out very well. Uh, moving right along with, uh, let's see here, Clint's feedback on what I shared last week on the Snowball microphone and also wants to know what I feel about blog talk radio and services like it. Hey, Cliff, how you doing? This is Clint Sprague from Fort Worth, Texas. Hey, I hope you can hear me okay. I'm actually calling from the airport, and I wanted to get this message to you while it was on my mind. First of all, I want to say thanks for your last podcast about the Blue Snowball microphone. I had already made that purchase, and um, I called last week to get some information about that. Then I listened to your podcast, and so now I need to go out and get a $20 microphone and a nice um, affordable mixer. But anyway, my new question is, I have some friends of mine who actually started a podcast, and they actually started using a service called Blog Talk Radio, and I was wondering if you're familiar with that, and I wanted to get your opinion, since I know you spoke very strongly on the Blue Snowball microphones, so I wanted to get your opinion on services like Blog Talk Radio and some of the others that are out there that kind of a, a soup-to-nuts beginner um, create-your-own-podcast in a box, so to speak. So I want to get your views on that. I'd love to, I'd really love it if you had a show uh, specifically dedicated to these types of services. But um, if not, I'd love for you to answer my question. Again, thank you for the wonderful show. I love the podcast. And um, hope to hear from you soon. Take care. Bye. 
All right, Clint, thank you so much. And I am going to answer your question in just a moment. But before I go any further, I do want to say one other thing here. I was looking at the chat chat room. They're asking about check processing versus electronic. And one of the things that I am using, I use a program called CheckWriter. And if I can find it here, give me one second. I am going to pull up a podcast episode that I will link to in the show notes that you can listen about the program that I use to collect check payments uh, because it has saved me thousands. And I am not kidding when I say thousands of dollars. So one second, I'm going to look this up. Okay, so I'm back. I just went ahead and researched that. It's episode number 18 of Business Tech Weekly, and it is currently a plus member only episode. I am going to turn around and uh, make this a a free episode of Business Tech Weekly. So it's going to take a little bit. My assistant, I just sent her a message uh, to to do that for me. And so what I'm going to do is have you go to gspn.tv slash checkwriter. By the time this is published online, that episode should, you know, that link, if you go to gspn.tv slash checkwriter, it will take you to episode number 18 of Business Tech Weekly where I can, where you'll learn about what checkwriter is and, and really some of the reservations that I had over using this service and, and all of this stuff. But I will tell you, I, I print, I, I deposit thousands of dollars worth of checks every single month using the checkwriter software and it works perfectly. And, uh, and of course, there's an entire episode of Business Tech Weekly about that topic. And uh, again, gspn.tv slash checkwriter. So going back to Clint, as far as the thoughts on blog talk radio, blog talk radio is something, is a service that I have never personally used. Okay. I have never personally used it. I have been a participant on a blog talk radio show on multiple occasions, say five, six, seven, eight times, I've been invited to come on as a guest of blog talk radio. But I will tell you as a podcast consultant, I have a ton of clients over the last two and a half years who have said, Cliff, I'm doing a blog talk radio show and I I really need to do something different. All right. So that number one, I've had a lot of people who say, you know what? It's just not working out the way I want it to work out. Uh, the, the audio quality isn't there. I'm not able to get that nice, clean studio sound when I'm doing the live show. The people who are coming, they, they hear a bunch of people. It sounds like they're on the telephone, you know, and all of this other stuff. The closely, the most closely related service that I've ever used is talkshoe.com. T-A-L-K-S-H-O-E.com. Now I used to be a huge fan of talkshoe.com and I'm still I'm still an okay fan of it. I mean, I, I still use Talkshoe from time to time, but not nearly the way that I used to. Uh I used to use Talkshoe and and I would put up with some of the technical limitations when I was making a couple thousand dollars a month as a result of using their services. Back in the day when they were a, a fresh new internet startup company, they had a lot of venture capital money that came in and and they were actually paying um podcast producers uh per download uh, a pretty decent uh amount i mean of course today i recognize that it's nowhere near what i could get as a sponsored 
podcast, but back in the day, it was it was pretty good. Uh, and especially since I was doing stuff as a hobby, you know, getting a couple grand every month to do a podcast on your and and to to do that live on talk show that was great. Um, and so I was very happy about it. In fact, I think there's like a the CEO of the company, Dave Nelson. He's been interviewed on Podcast Answer Man before. And so if you go way back in the archives, you'll you'll hear those interviews. Now, where do I think about it today? I still think that these are great services for people who want to dip their toes into the water of podcasting, but have no desire whatsoever um, to actually create or to go out and buy any equipment at all. Uh, and they have no desire to try to figure out how to create a website, no desire to how to figure out how to do this RSS stuff and submitting to iTunes, all of that stuff's beyond them and they have no desire to figure it out. And for people who want to just talk with some other people and have a hobby of this stuff, then I am all for TalkShoe.com and all for Blog Talk Radio. In fact, I will even go so far as to say one of the th- huge benefits of Blog Talk Radio is the fact that there is a very decent-sized community over there. And chances are, if you launch a show on Blog Talk Radio, because of the traffic they have on their site, that when you go live, you will find that... Um, you will find that you know you could pick up an audience just by people browsing around there. Uh, there's a there's a lot of synergy happening there. Um, now the thing is though is this: I particularly don't like telephone recorded conversations and being having those released as a podcast. In fact, I will tell you right now, I am I am very much um, I am a I'm an audio snob. I will admit that to you. I will not subscribe to a podcast that is a recorded phone conversation. I I won't. If I saw your album artwork and it impressed me, if I saw the topic of your podcast and it impressed the topic impressed it impressed me, and it's something that I'm passionate about, chances the chances of hitting play are very likely. If I click play. If I subscribe to your podcast or click play on it to preview it in iTunes, and I hear the host of the show in telephone, it's glorious, 8,000 hertz glory. Uh, If I hear the host of of the podcast having a telephone quality, I can almost guarantee you, I cannot think of any exceptions to this rule, I would hands down not subscribe to your podcast. Or if I accidentally did hit subscribe before previewing it for the very first time, I will unsubscribe immediately. I, I, I can't think of my friend Dan Miller. I love his podcast. But if he was to record his podcast on blog talk radio or talkshoe.com and it was a, on a telephone, I would not subscribe to it. Um, you know, and somebody says it sounds like Dan Miller's, you know, first shows. Uh, may, maybe they were like that. And I'm glad I didn't catch them when they were like that. But, uh, at least, at least he had for the longest time, at least he had a $20 lapel mic from Radio Shack and was recording the show, uh, releasing the shows at 64 kilobits, uh, you know, per second. And, and, and sure, that was very low quality. But that was about the lowest quality I'd be willing to go. That'd be about the lowest quality I'd be willing to go. But no, I would not listen to a podcast that was recorded by telephone. And, and, I, and I apologize if I'm offending anybody out there. I know that there are a lot of podcasters, a ton, in fact, a ton of 
lost podcasters who use TalkShoe to record and release their shows. And when I listen to podcasts, you're up against other very highly produced and easy on the ear shows. And, and I like things that are comfortable to listen to. Um, Damon and Carlton Lindelof is probably right now, of course, now they're, they no longer podcast, but these are the co-producers of, um, the TV show Lost or were, and, uh, their podcast is the lowest quality podcast that I had ever stayed subscribed to. And they actually had pretty, I mean, they had decent equipment. It's just that they recorded their podcast and released it at some ridiculously low kilobits per second. Uh, they must have been using the lame encoder to crunch that thing down, and it sounded horrendous. But at least it was better than a telephone quality call. So, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of recorded telephone conversations. Now, you put the you put the host in the studio, you put the host on a good uh, studio mic, and you put the person that they're interviewing uh, on the telephone. I'm completely, completely uh, cool with that. But I am not cool with with one hundred percent telephone quality call. Now with Talkshoe, it is very possible to do this. And when I was using Talkshoe, this is exactly what my process was. I was using Talkshoe to record my show live or to to do my show live. People could call in, they could interact, they could be on hold, and I would unmute them individually, and I would bring them into the show. And then I could mute them individually. I, I was able to, con- I mean, it was just like I had a live panel of callers calling in. And, um, but what I was doing is while TalkShoe has the ability to record that entire show and turn it into an MP3 and release it out into your RSS feed, uh, you, or at least the, the TalkShoe RSS feed, um, while it has the ability to do all of those things, I didn't let it. Instead, I was recording everything locally in studio so that I as the host or my wife as the co-host, we were in studio quality and the callers were being recorded on my end because I had the equipment to do so. And uh, the callers sounded like they were on the telephone. It sounded no different than any FM radio station uh, call-in radio talk show. So, uh, and then of course, TalkShoe does allow you, uh, and, and I believe Blog Talk may allow you to do this. And if I'm not mistaken, I think I've heard some people say that they actually charge you a premium subscription to be able to actually upload your own recordings and and replace their recordings of the telephone call. Um, But anyway, with these services, you should be able to have the ability to take your own full quality recording and upload it over top of theirs. And that's what gets placed into the feed. There's so many problems with this scenario that I I just decided it's not the way that I want to do it. Unless there's a financial benefit for me doing so. And and when TalkShoe quit paying their their uh, producers, I quit producing my shows there. So anyway, what I would like to say is that if you're okay with that quality, it's fine. And it's going to be great for the live show, by the way. The live show via the telephone quality, not a problem at all. There's a lot that I will let happen in a live venue that I won't let happen in a pre-recorded. For example, I'm I'm broadcasting this right now live on Ustream. The video quality of what you see in my studio, it's pretty low video quality. Um, the audio quality is actually really good uh, via Ustream, but the video is very low. 
But you know what? It only it's one click of the button. One single click of the button is all it would take for me to record each and every single one of these shows that I record on Thursdays. Now, do I record them and let people come in and watch the recorded video later? No, I do not. Because it, with the live, you can interact. There's there's a little bit of the feel of interaction. But with the pre-recorded, I don't want anything anything in low quality to be pre-recorded uh, and, and just have you sit there and watch a low quality production that I produce. I would, I would much rather have high quality audio. And here's the thing. Um, the, the, I did a show a long time ago called the pitfalls of the live show format. And I, I I'm okay if this is what you want to do. If you want to try out using these services, it is a great way to podcast for free. Uh, at least with talk show, I know you can podcast for free. Um, you just set up, you go in, set up an account, schedule the call and, and you're good to go. But there are a couple things to be concerned about, I think. And that is number one, jumping right into a live show and, and or ju- yeah, jumping right into a live show. Um, and if you're jumping into a live show, the chances are you're going to focus on that live audience in your show. And if you focus on your live audience, my concern is that you will alienate the people who download your podcast. And I will tell you right now, the potential audience for your content, it is all in the downloaded content. That's where the value of your show really is for the most part. All right. So the the thing is with if you're using a service like TalkShoe and I, and again I'm talking about TalkShoe because I don't know enough about Blog Talk Radio. But if you're using a service like TalkShoe that has these telephone call-ins and you are as the host are being recorded by telephone, number 1, the chances of somebody subscribing to your recorded telephone show is so much lower. All right? So much lower than what it could be. And, and I will, you're just going to lose some people. Now, does that mean that nobody will subscribe to your podcast? No. If your content is great enough, some people will overlook the quality of your production. But I will tell you that I just, I personally won't subscribe to a podcast that's a telephone call. Uh, and, and I know that I'm not the only person out there that feels that way. I will, I will tell you that. Now, I, I, I can't say that all podcast listeners feel that way, but I know that I do and I know I'm not alone. Uh, now, the other thing is, is of course, this whole idea of being inclusive. One of the things that I do here, of course, you occasionally hear me reference during the live shows, you hear me reference somebody says something in the chat room. Now, there's a lot of, there's a lot of comments going on in the chat room right now. The, the, the way I look at the chat room is it is a way for people to provide live feedback to me as I'm recording the show. But I can tell you right now, there's a ton of conversation that's been happening ever since I mentioned PayPal. And then there's even some com- conversation that's going on there back and forth, back and forth about audio quality and stuff like that. And I've even gotten some questions uh, that are being asked in the podcast, but they're going by so fast, I can't keep up with it all. And so what I do is I say, listen, if you really want to leave some feedback for Podcast Answer Man, the, the way to do that, to get your your input into the show Give me a call on the voicemail feedback hotline at 859-795-4067. 
The phone number again, 859-795-4067. That's how I accept feedback. I don't necessarily take a lot of live calls anymore, although I certainly have the ability to simply press a button like this and bring in a call at any time. I could, I've got the phone number in the chat below or above the chat room on gspn.tv slash live. People could dial in. Uh, honestly, I think it's right now the ringer is set to off, so I wouldn't even hear it because I'm not asking for people to call in. Or I could dial out to talk shoe and I could actually give them the talk shoe number and I could have a hundred people on hold if I wanted to. But my thing is, is I don't want to focus the main attention on the live show. And th- one of the things I don't like to hear is like, oh, folks, you know, if you're listening to this on the on the podcast download, you're really missing out because the real action is here in the live. The real action is here in the live. Oh, and and and, and the, for those video podcasts, the, if you're listening to this on the only audio only feed, what you're not seeing right here, you need to go back and and look this section up in the video because you really are missing out. When I whenever I feel as a listener of the show that I am not fully engaged in your show, then I feel left out and alienated. And the chances of everybody out there who would potentially love your show of them being available at the same date and time that you have scheduled to do your show is very low. Now, are you going to have a small audience that absolutely does that? Yes, you will. And when I say a small audience, I'm talking, you know, is it possible for you to have two or 300 people a week in your show, in, in your chat room? Absolutely. Is that a lot of people? No, it's not. It's not when you consider the fact that in, in this, I do know for a fact that the downloaded audience potential, uh, the, it, you're only going to get at most 10 to 15% of your audience. And if you get that much, you are doing a lot of things right. But 10 to 15% of your overall audience may come and participate in a live show. For example, today, I've been recording since 8.30 this morning. On average, there's been somewhere between 20 and 55 people in the chat room throughout the day today. All right? This all the of all the content that I will deliver that will get delivered out, sixty thousand people will actually receive all of this epi- all of these episodes. A total of sixty thousand people, and so obviously a very small percentage of the people are here live. Now, do I value the people that are here live? Absolutely, and there's a lot of reasons why, as a podcaster, you should very much value the people who come and join you live. But if your content, your you actually take in phone calls. Here, here's an example. Let me give you an example of some of the early days of TalkShoe when people would start their very first podcast. You get somebody on TalkShoe, they fire up their show, and they have an idea of what they want to do with their podcast. And so, let me give you an example. I hey everybody, my name's Cliff Ravenscraft. This is my podcast Answer Man show, and I'm gonna use this p- platform here to answer your questions. And and let me tell you a little bit about myself. My name's Cliff Ravenscraft. I've been doing podcasting for a while now and and all of this other stuff. And, and uh, so let me tell you about what my first topic is today. We're going to talk about microphones, condenser microphones. And it's like, oh, wait, we just got a caller. It looks like so-and-so is just in. Hi, what's your name? Hi, my name's Bobby. Hi, Bobby. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I was just on the sh- on browsing around the site, and I saw that you had a podcast. Uh, so do you talk about podcasting here? Yes, I do. Do you have any questions? Uh, no, 
I think podcasting is pretty silly, but I, th- I was just browsing around the site. Well, hey, man, thanks for calling. <laughs> it, it just totally ruins the flow of the show if you are just getting into your groove. And um, Dave says that's why they all have that's why they have screeners and call screeners and stuff like that. But absolutely, there are ways that you can do this. But for the person who is the independent podcast producer who is just trying out podcasting for the very first time, chances are you're not going to have a call screener. And I'm just saying it's, it is a, uh, it is a, it is a potential issue that you'll get too focused on your live audience and you will, you will spend all of your time communicating with that live audience, which people are going to be coming in and out, in and out. And you'll never really get to that that roadmap you have. And so this leads me into just some some advice that I have for for podcasters in general. And no matter if you're using, and I'm not saying don't use blog talk. Uh, certainly try them out. In fact, one of the things that I I've been thinking about doing is is creating a blog talk radio show myself, just so I have some experience with it. Uh, I, I want I want to see what it's like. Maybe I'll maybe I'll I'll see if I can get podcast answer man at two p.m. on thursdays to be a blog talk radio show i mean i certainly have the broadcast host that i can just fire up and have another chat room going so i don't know maybe i should do that uh and let you know my experience with it and and podcast about it but anyway i just wanted to share with you my two concerns are recorded audio quality of a telephone is very low and you're you will lose potential subscribe downloadable subscribers and the people who download your show week after week those are the ones who are going to be the most consistent and stay around for the longest and then of course the other concern with these live show formats is that if unless you have a really good feeling of where you are going with your show providing an outline ahead of time and don't let anybody get you deviated from the course uh, now is it okay to take a couple tangents here and there absolutely but certainly, I would suggest that you have a roadmap laid out for each and every episode of where you want to go, and 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 then let and you need to be in the driver's seat. You need to be in the driver's seat. I mean, for example, I mean, if if I were if I were really going to focus so heavily on my on my um on the live audience, gosh, I'd probably still be talking about PayPal. But anyway. I I value my live audience. And I will tell you this. The people who will come and participate in your show live, these are your most loyal community members. This is it is the mo- these are the people you do need to spend and focus your time on. I I love seeing David in here. I love seeing Jim in the chat room and I love seeing Charlie and I love seeing Jonathan in here. And by the way, a lot of these people are using their their handles like Pfeiffer 1863. I just know his name's Jim Beagley. Um, and, and stuff like that. So get to know the people who come to your live show. And if you really want to talk with them, if you really want to talk with them, do that in the pre-show and do it in the post show, get, get and build some relationship with them that way. But during the recording of your show, you be in control of where you start and where you stop along the way when it comes to the path that you've laid out for the content that you produce. If you can, if you can be consistent in that, then, then you'll overcome the, the potential pitfalls of the live show format. Uh, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with starting out with telephone quality if you don't have a budget for anything more. And I want to say I am an audio snob. I am. I, I confess it to you. 
it i i almost hate it myself um i released matter of fact yet last week if go back and listen to episode 166 of podcast answer man i will tell you right now i will never ever listen to episode 166 of podcast answer man ever again do you want to know why because that podcast was not recorded the same way that i normally do instead i think i had set it to uh, i can't remember what the setting was was it 156 kilobits per second anyway um i i actually recorded the podcast at one bit rate and then I opened it up in Adobe Audition, and when I saved it back out, it recompressed the file, and it's got that little wishy-washy, garbled sound, and it's like, oh, I cannot believe that I did that. And I did it for all the shows that I recorded last week. Did I release them? Yes. Um, am I happy with the audio quality of any of the shows that I released last week? Absolutely not. This after or this morning when I went to record, did I make sure that I was back at my normal settings on my Edderall? You better believe I did. Um so I am an audio snob, but let me tell you, I got my start with some really crappy sounding audio. And so it, don't lo- don't let me water down your experience um, because I am an audio snob. I want to encourage you, get out there and start. You didn't hear me. You, Clint called in earlier and he says, you know, hey, thanks for the thoughts on that. I got a snowball. You know, it sounds like I might need to go and buy a $20 microphone, a, dyna- a $20 mi- dynamic microphone and a uh, mixer. And and I'm like, in, in my mind, it's like, okay, I mean, if you've got the snowball, just stick with the snowball. Uh, it's not a big deal. But I will say that, um, you know, it probably will get rid of a little bit of the echo in the room. In fact, I'll tell you what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in another call um, that I wasn't planning on bringing in, but uh, I know it happens to be here. I just didn't have a chance to edit it down. Um, and I'm going to bring this in. I don't know who this is. It might be Tim. It might be somebody else. Uh, so let me just click play. Hi, Cliff. This is Tim Chatton, and this feedback is for the podcast Answer Man podcast. All right. So before I, before I go any further, I want to say, Tim, your podcast or your your audio, you're coming in loud and clear. You're a million times better than any telephone recorded call. Um, and you certainly have your, you're up close enough to the mic to where that you don't sound like you're completely in a tin can. Uh, but I want you to listen closely. And if you listen real close, you will, you will hear, and, and I do hear your voice echoing off of the walls in your room. And now this isn't enough to keep me from subscribing to your podcast, but your content of your podcast would have to be so much better to keep me listening to a, a condenser microphone like this. And I have podcasts that, that are recorded on condenser microphones that I do love. In fact, I'll tell you the best condenser microphone recorded podcast in the world is Words of Encouragement. Now, I, I will tell you, Rick Terrence, a professional, and he does a lot of work in this area. But uh, Words of Encouragement, I happen to know, is recorded on a condenser microphone. But, Tim, I'm going to go ahead and play this. It, it's four minutes in length. I, I'm not sure if I'll play the entire feedback, but do listen to your voice. You'll, you will hear the echo. Hi, Cliff. This is Tim Chatton, and this feedback is for the podcast Answer Man podcast. Well, Cliff, uh, it was great to listen to your last episode, and thanks for answering back about WordPress and your thoughts there. 
I wanted to send some feedback about USB mics, snowballs, and condenser mics, and that whole topic. And I know you hate, uh, you absolutely hate, you know, condenser mics and USB mics. Uh, I shouldn't say you hate condenser mics because they have their place. But I'm recording this. I'm not editing this or doing anything to this audio. This is as is. This is the Blue Mic USB Yeti. It's their brand new mic that came out in January of 2010. And this is my very first mic I have owned. It's $100 at Amazon. And I have to say, I am very, very impressed with this mic. And for my first mic, I, I decided I want a USB mic because I want the ability to simply plug this into my Mac Mini and start recording. I want the ability to plug this into my iPad via the camera connections kit and start recording high quality audio. And I didn't want the big, you know, setup of a mixer board because uh, the current state of my life is I'm moving around so much that I need the flexibility to be able to just pick up this mic, my iPad, or the Mac Mini, and be off and recording. I could even have a Mac Mini and my iPad used as the screen now through VNC and the MiFi. So I want the flexibility of just simply being able to pick up this mic and my iPad and be off and running to get good sounding audio. And you mentioned the problem of it picking up every little sound. And one thing that, that's just blown me away about the, the Blue Yeti is a few months ago, I lived in a dorm room. And it was a pretty loud dorm room. Uh, in the next room, it was very audible that there were people making noise. And I thought, there's no way that this mic, this condenser mic, this USB mic, would be able to block out that sound with me without me doing anything to my dorm room. And, and I was wrong. When I listened to the audio after recording, I noticed all of that sound I was hearing in the next room was blocked off because of the way the mic was set up to record. Because this mic has a setup where it just takes audio from the very front of the mic and doesn't touch anything around it. And it, it impressed me because I, I have... Of course, thought, hey, audio bounces around walls, and that's got to make it in the recording. And I was impressed that it did not. So that was kind of cool. So I, I think not all condenser mics have that huge problem of capturing every little sound. And I've never used a snowball, and I've heard bad things about those. But from those that have used the Yeti, most love this microphone. And for those that need the flexibility of, uh, not the flexibility, but the portability, rather, of uh, being able to just, you know, grab your mic and go, I think USB mics have their place. And I think down the road, yes, I'll probably get a mixer. I'll probably get, you know, the Heil mics or whatever but right now i think and for a lot of people i think usb mics may be a good alternative and i think everyone should have at least one usb mic so they're able to just grab your mic and go and get a high quality recording on the road and i think that's a great way to do that and i know there's a lot of handheld recorders and things like that that work well but i love having my awesome usb mic from blue that works really well so sorry if i was a bit wordy but i am just so excited and happy about this usb mic that i wanted to share my thoughts there and i think that for those that need to be able to travel around with their studio this is a great way to go so i really enjoy the podcast and have a blessed day
All right, Tim, thank you very much. I did go ahead and play the entire four minutes. Uh, and, and you know what? I'm glad that you're very happy with it. I think if you ever go um, to, to the to something like a high LPR 40 down the road, uh, and and you have an opportunity to record a podcast, the chances are that even though you may have the, the Yeti on the road with you and you could record a podcast, chances are you may want to wait till you get back. You'll, you'll, you'll likely be like I was, and you'll wait until you get home till you get to the high on the mixer and everything like that uh, to record your podcast. But then again, maybe you're not an audio snob like I am. And I just, and again, I, I confess that I am an audio snob. Uh, and not everybody is one. And uh, but yeah, I mean, if you listen to that, I certainly heard the the echo of your voice off of the walls in your room. Um, and but you, I mean, your voice was loud. Your voice was clear. And that has more to do with your mic placement than than anything else. Uh, you were right up on the microphone and talking clearly. Um, there were a couple pops in there. It doesn't sound like you have a pop filter on that. But um but I mean, other than that, I mean, obviously, I would listen to your podcast. If if you had a topic that was a, a topic that I was passionate about, um, I would certainly listen to your podcast uh, with the audio quality that comes out of the either the the Yeti or the Blue Snowball microphone. Uh, it's it's not that I wouldn't listen to those. I'm just saying that uh, the combination of USB and that um, are the two things that I don't like about it. Um, I, I think there are other options, you know, for a hundred bucks, if I, if I had a hundred bucks, um, of course the, the issue is that you still, if you get it like a short SM 58 mic, which by the way is a pretty decent mic, uh, for podcasting, I mean, you get a short SM 58 and, and, uh, and a, an audio interface or a mixer, uh, I would certainly suggest a small mixer. Uh, you've got a really great way to, um, to uh, produce some audio without that echo of the, the of your of the voice in the in the background. Again, it it's just one of those things. That, and I will tell you right now, I, I'm at the point now where I personally do not like to record or to release a podcast. Like right now, I'm recording my audio into an Edderall recorder, uh, and I'm using the high LPR 40. But I'll be honest with you, it it, it would kill me to release this podcast. It hit to hit stop. To, to tag the file and to release it to you directly. I personally, and, and it's, it's, I'm obsessive compulsive about my audio quality. I have to run the multi-band compressor from Adobe Audition. I, it, I just love the fullness and the richness of what that process does, uh, to my recording so much so that I would not want to release this podcast to you, even though I've got a high quality mic and, and I even have some processing going on before it hits the Adderall, I still would not want to release this recording to my audience without running it through the multi-band compressor that, that really beefs up the sound even further. So, uh, but yeah, you, you make some good points there. Uh, portability and the ease of use of just having one little device to plug in and to go. Uh, I think USB mics could be a great solution for people creating, uh, uh, video screencasts and all that other stuff. Um, and, uh, and, and certainly you can record some great podcasting content. Uh, just make sure that content is above par and I think you'll do pretty well. And, um, yeah, very cool. All right. So, um, I do have one other piece of feedback. I am majorly late for my next show though. I'm wondering if, uh, Andy's going to kill me, but I do want to play one more piece of audio feedback and, um, you know what? I'm going to hold it off for next week and I'm going to close the show. 
Uh, so let me just click this button right here. And uh, Walter called in some feedback, and it's actually uh, some constructive criticism of the podcast Answer Man Show. And I actually want to I want to play it and let you guys hear the criticism of uh, something that comes up from time to time on Podcast Answer Man. I certainly notice it as it's happening and after it's happening, and I think about it a lot. Uh, if you want to know what the one thing uh, or what one of the many things that I do that even drives me crazy from time to time, uh, then you'll hear that in Walter's call next week. That's right. Episode 168 of Podcast Answer Man will be the the criticism, the, the constructive criticism. And I'm very thankful for Walter, by the way, of the way that he approached uh, his criticism. And you'll get to hear that as well. Um Anyway, I do want to mention that you can be, <laughs> uh, you can you can uh, check out Adobe Audition 101 if you're interested uh, over there at podcastanswerman.com slash products. Uh, just head over to podcastanswerman.com. There's a whole big list of different video training tutorials I have over there. And I encourage you to check them out. In the Adobe Audition, I actually show everything you need to know from beginning to end with using Adobe Audition, why I use it, the secret sauce that I use to process every single episode of every podcast that I produce, with the exception of my walkcasts. If I use the Edderall or my iPhone to go out and walk through the neighborhood, I don't really run that through the multi-band compressor most of the time. Uh, but uh, anything I record in the studio certainly, certainly does. Uh, anyway, Jorge's in the chat room, and, or yeah... He says, I got the Adobe Edition 101, and it is worth it. And uh, actually, he says, worth it. But I'm pretty sure he meant to put the R in there. <laughs> anyway, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I am so sorry for those of you in the chat room. You guys have said so many things related to, uh, to the topics that I've covered today. And it's going to take me forever to go back into the chat archives later to see what all that was about but uh i appreciate my live audience uh and i appreciate you guys who are downloading this podcast just as much and i thank each and every one of you again head over to podcastanswerman.com slash products see if there's anything there that would help you out if you think of any digital video training tutorials you'd like me to create send me an email feedback at gspn.tv and of course i do want to hear from you if you have questions for the Podcast Answer Man show, comments related to all the stupid stuff I say every week, give me a call, 859-795-4067. Again, the phone number, 859-795-4067. God bless you all. I'll talk to you next week. And until next time, I encourage you to join the community. The community.